0: As we get ready to start today, I'm going to start on Legendary Legacy 2, Message 2 out of this series, and then I'll wrap it up next week. And then after that, we have Prophet Trout here. Woo, you don't want to miss that. The first Sunday of the month, you don't want to miss that. And we have something special to do that day as well. But today, as, as we're in this time, I kind of left a little teaser for you about at the end of the service, and I said, I'm not going to tell you until next week, what God laid on Pastor Steph and I's heart, so hopefully I'll get to that today. Amen. You might have to pray for me to preach fast. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> so as we talk about today, Legacy 2, and everyone so eloquently pr- talked about it, is 2024 what is a year of invitation. Somebody say invitation. That means that whenever God speaks, he invites, and we can... Agree with it, but that doesn't mean we accept it. When we accept it is when we agree with it and then we act on it. Somebody say act on it. A year of invitation and expansion. It's a year of expansion in every area of our lives that we target with the Spirit of God as long as we're faithful to stand together strong as his church family and children of God living a faith life and a faith lifestyle. It's an invitation to expansion of what to experience. You know, God told us that we are a church that's called Come and See, and you heard me talk about that. A, a scripture dear to my heart is Psalm 66, 5, says, Come and see. Somebody say, come and see. come and see. What our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for his people. You know, one of the key things that God said to Steph and I when we come, several, number one, you will be a church of Gentiles, right? A church of all races, ages, backgrounds. Looks like a, I don't wanna say basketball today. I'll say like a UK football stadium right now. I can't even talk about that. But anyway, hallelujah. I'll get in sin if I do, so I'm not going to. Thank God, though, we have some amazing players. They're they're so gifted. Um, Now, how did I get off out of the spirit there? Oh, I know, so God, God dealt with us. God dealt with us and said, you'll be a church of the Gentiles, right? We will look like a football stadium and all that. He said, when you get a place, rent it. And when you do, so that people, when they step in the door, they will know they're home. How many of you knew you were home when the first time you stepped on the property, right? When you stepped in here. That's a prophetic word. Look around. Does this look like a multigenerational and multicultural church to you? you just look around. It's okay. It's not in the wrong See, It's all right. Amen. The only woke you got in here is me waking you up. That's it. That's all you got. Amen. I'm not nervous, people. (laughs) Devil's under my feet. I know that much. But what is it? That's a prophetic word from God. What is a prophetic word? It's when the thought and mind of God is communicated and we receive it. It can't be revelation until it's revealed and accepted. Revelation, you have an invitation to it. The word of God in the scriptures are all prophetic writings from the Spirit of God through men, right? And what happens is we—that's an invitation to us. But you and I have to accept the invitation, read the Word till it becomes revelation in our heart, and operate according to that Word. So revelation is a revealing or an uncovering of the mind and thoughts of God or the heart of God. And how—and then what happens is, it's, it's revelation is an invitation for us to access the mind and heart of God, and then to act on that. And when you do that, it, it begins to do what? Expands you. So, and when you expand, you have an experience because the reason God, man, we prayed and prayed over the name of this church is so critical to Steph and I. And I remember a ministry friend came into town and, and we were at, still at World Harvest and we just began to open the Bible. I said, here's what I really feel. And I told him, he said, well, that's it. And and, and, and it's a place called Bethel, right? Bethel was the very first place that the heavens were witnessed to be opened by man when Jacob was lying there, and, and in his dream, there was a, a ladder up to heaven. I meant that some kind of ladder, right? And out of that ladder, the angels of God began to go to and fro, up and down. He just saw, in other words, he saw an open heaven, an open portal to where God, and the angel, he was releasing his angels to access to do his will and to come back and worship him and and it's it also represents the first place that the anointing was released on the earth you know since god really created everything and it's a place of the anointing so bethel and the experience there is always known as where the presence of god was revealed first to humanity right other than adam and eve and as we see that god said you will be a place of my presence you will began to release my gifts, the power of Holy Spirit in that area and in that region to bring transformation, to bring people into a lifestyle that is supernatural. Hmm, that's that's what he said to us. Um, and as he continued to speak about that, he he also said a lot of other amazing things, but what I want you to get here is everything he said had to do with family and Bethel Harvest being a family because Bethel is a place of outpouring in the Bible and Harvest is about bringing in souls to the word of God. And and the, the vision God gave me for this year is it's an invitation expansion to experience a what? Supernatural, a Bethel lifestyle, a supernatural lifestyle, a come and see lifestyle that establishes what? A legendary legacy. Now, I love what David said, Is what I have in my notes, it's a, it, it's a legacy that's, you know, not written on tombstones, but written on hearts. A legacy is something to be fulfilled, but you can't fulfill it in your lifetime, it takes multiple lifetimes to fulfill the legacy that you've established or you began, and then as we begin to understand it, legendary means it's a legacy that will never be forgotten. Jesus gave us, what, a legendary legacy, right? He'll never be forgotten. Even those that hate him have to mention his name all the time, and they hate even mentioning his name. What, a leg- legendary legacy for what for us, for you and I, and for others, for me and my household and for those that I'm in relationship with and that I connect with and I influence. <clears throat> the scripture for this, Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31, <clears throat> says a posterity Or a seed will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness. What is righteousness? It's a position in God, being in right standing, being born again, being blood bought. Proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people, look at this, yet unborn. What? that he has done this. He has given us righteousness. And and the power of what God told me is this year is about uh, setting goals and all that and beginning to discover more and more the revealed word of God for you, expansion for you, the supernatural lifestyle he has for you. But it's also a spiritual time. See, just as God gave us, you're living now in the revelation that God gave Steph and I to go and to leave where we were for nine years on staff and had really good positions and opportunities to come here, take our life savings, do all that stuff, rent a little warehouse over there behind Gold's Gym in the garage area at Alexandria Drive, the old doll hair shopping center, to sign a thirty-one dollars or $3,200 a month contract for a minimum of a year, <laughs> you know, while someone else is living in our beautiful home in Ohio and we're renting down here, and not, yeah, you got to watch renting to Preachers, you know what I mean? Uh, God paid about a third of what he was supposed to. So anyway, get me in the flesh again. There you go. That's, that's almost equal with the last night, almost. But grace, thank God for grace. So before I was interrupted, I was in such a sweet, loving flow. What, what was it I was at? Do you remember what I was saying right before, huh? Huh? Yeah, Alexandria Drive. And you're going to see, we've been looking at some of the old photos of our big, expansive sanctuary at Alexandria. It's, it's going to be cool. So we'll show that to you in the coming weeks and, and when we get over into, I'm going to move over here so I don't get in trouble. And, and so uh, <laughs> when we get into all that, with our 25th anniversary coming up here in just a couple of weeks, amen? Amen. And as, as, where was I again about why was I on it? Your faith our faith. Oh yeah, okay. So, uh, so it, it was a prophetic utterance from God that we were to rent a, ha- a place, not a hotel. And I went through that before. Pastor Rod, R.W. Shambach said, "Let me come down, and preach in a hotel, get you a few hundred people, and then get you a place." I said, "No, God said it. Do it this way." Because when God gives you a word. You have to fight for it. You have to have faith. And you do according to what he said, not even though there's great men, you don't do what they said. You do according to what God said. Why? I couldn't have made that stand or had the courage, Stephanie, to do it without revelation. Without a revealing and an uncovering of God's mind concerning she and I and our one year old son at Tom time, Parker, to move and, and sow everything we had into this city. To a people we did not know. I grew up two and a half hours east, southeast of here. She grew up three and a half hours north of here. And we knew one family when you moved here, and only two members of that family ever heard me preach. So we didn't know if they was gonna attend or not. <laughs> so so we we're just like, hey, let's do it. And and but we didn't did it on do it on a whim or a hope. We did it on not just a word, we did it on a revealed word. So you can read the word and believe, yeah, Jesus, by his drops, you're healed. Yeah, Jesus, you're saved by his blood. You can believe all that. But when it's revealed to you and becomes so real to you, that's what? Revelation. That was an invitation. First, we dealt with seven years of invitation. We knew God would have us in this city turning down preaching engagements here and everything because we, we knew once we preached here one time, years before that, we, we were coming here someday to plant a church and we wouldn't accept any more because we didn't want to be attached to anything or anyone but God when we came and just love everyone. and But we operate on what? A revealed word. And then as we operated in the church, we did what? rented a building on a revealed word. We, we preached the gospel according to what God said on a revealed word. And then when it was time to access in nine months, we'd grown out of that building, you know, 270 on a Sunday morning. Um, and we had... Uh, Uh, 170 on a no 225 on Sunday morning 170 on a Thursday night midweek running out of space there God opened up a door for us to purchase a building 1.2 million on Clay's Mill for Pastor Don Acton's great man of God Uh, He gave us a year to get it in our name and we but we got it in our name in months rather than a year financed it did a $60,000 renovation moving in had our Y2K service how many of y'all remember that Everybody's going to die. The computers it can't handle 2000, and you know TBN and all the Christian networks were selling all this vacuum-packed junk that they wanted, and people were buying it and stocking waters and building bomb shelters. It's the craziest thing ever. I said, we're just going to praise God. Just come on out. First service in that building. Y'all remember it, don't you, Kim? You and it First, we're going to do it. Just come on out. We're going to start it. We always would start you know, our service, and you know, that night, and then end it by nine or something on New Year's Eve, and I would give the vision for the year. I said, instead, we're going to start about nine, and we're going to dance and praise God past midnight and party after midnight. We had 270 people show up that night in our first service. I think half of them there was there probably because they were afraid not to be in church, (laughs) right? They probably had their vacuum packs in the basement, but they weren't going to tell me because they knew they didn't want to tell me that. But man, what a time of God. But that all came from a word. A revealed word from God. An invitation. A revealed word is just an invitation. It's not revelation to it. It Attaches to your heart and you act on it. No matter what. Say, no matter what. And as we did that, you know the story where we grew in that church about three and a half years into it and we were in the middle of that renovation, right? And uh, uh, we had... They called it the plywood church because it was like two different kinds of brick and three kinds of brick, two or three, and, and it had been plywood. The new sanctuary they had built years before, had been, before Pastor Don got there, had been plywood, and then when he got there, he bricked it. And they'd done a beautiful job with it, but when we came in, we were growing so fast. What we did, we renovated the inside, the outside, new stone, everything, updated the parking lot, and we were out of parking and so we dug out all the remaining grass on the, between us, the sidewalk, and put another parking lot in. We built a two-story addition on that little church, made it like 18,000 square feet. And we were doing it all by cash. And as we were, we were in a Wednesday night, Saturday night, two Sunday morning services at the time. We were busing people from Clay's Mill Shopping Center, our choir, and everybody else to, so we'd have parking for people. We were in the multiple services that still needed that. We had Bible, our Bethel Bible Institute, which Pastor Elder Mark and Katie and so many others went through here and was such a foundation. And we had that three nights, three classes on Sunday night, three on Monday night per semester. I did two, Pastor Steph did one. I did one on Monday, but I don't know, you might've did one on Monday too. And then at that time, the Statons, who are a great older couple that's part of our church for many years, and they went back out to pastoring, but they did the other two classes on Monday night. It was just a busy time, and I'll just never forget, God spoke to my spirit one morning before I came into church to the office and said, it's time. Ooh, it's time. Okay. It's time for what, Lord? It's time to go look for property. First thing I thought, oh, my God, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to tell Stephanie that. <laughs> and uh, so she, she wasn't nicknamed the bean counter for no reason, just saying, right? <laughs> And she passed that off to Becca. Poor Becca. God bless you. Amen. Uh, God knew I needed a bean counter. Hallelujah. That's for sure. Amen. She's a wonderful, powerful woman of God. We know that. But as I said, as far as the accounting and finances, she, that's kind of a nickname. But she kept us alive, right, <laughs> and sovereign. So as that happened and, and, and God spoke to me, I went in and I told Steph, I said, God said, go look for property. Well, I'd already called a realtor in our church, and he said, well, the only thing I know to do is just go knock on doors, you know, somewhere nearby, maybe in Nicholsville. It's about the only place because, you know, we couldn't really do the tobacco anymore or anything or not much of it, and there's a bunch of properties. We might get lucky and one of them sell to us, and we couldn't build it in Lexington. I'd researched it, and you're still not allowed to build in Fayette County uh, over a 10,000-square-foot new facility where we're already in, you know, a a bigger facility than that, 18,000-square-feet. So other churches were fighting it, and God didn't put in my spirit. Don't do that. So we went knocking on doors. You heard the story last week. We knocked on the door up here where Brandon Crossy is. There was nothing down through here but a nursery on the hill there, where where uh, Watchman uh, Cracker Barrel is. And we're knocking on doors, and you know, a wonderful gentleman. I won't mention his name, who owned all that property, a bunch of other property. We we knocked on the door. I heard he wanted to sell it to a certain church that couldn't fulfill it. So he wrote us all over this beautiful property and all this, and 65 acres, and me and the guy with me was so excited. We get down, I said, well, you know, brother, how, sir, how, how can we work this out? I said, what do you want? It's 100 an acre. And I said, well, how, how can we work this out? He said, it's real easy, preacher, just a $6.5 million uh, cashier's check would, would be fine. I said, well, thank you for your time, it's nice talking to you. <laughs> and then we drove on down to the next house, which was the one over here where all the Old, the, the apartments are, and there's a rich history to all that house, but a young man had just inherited it from his grandfather and passed, he had inherited that and other land, and he had the land across the road for sale, and whenever we knocked on the door, he said, I'll ride you around, but well, when he brought us on this side, I knew this was it, and we looked the other side, he, I said, well, what about this land, he said, oh, no, that, this not for sale, that over there is, I said, okay, I said, he said, well, can we drive it, I said, yeah, we'll drive, I got over there, man, railroad tracks, creeks, oh, my God, it'd be a million, $2 million more getting the land ready than what it was here. And I talked to him, and, and I said, look. I said, what we want to do, gave him the vision. He said, well, come back in a couple of days and talk to me. So Steph's dad came in. I had another person, Steph, and my dad, and myself, and we met him over here at this house, and he just had a piece of paper to a pencil, and he started writing. The guy wasn't even 40 yet. And, uh, and I found out he had a lifestyle I don't really talk about, but a very non-Christian lifestyle but he and his friend would lay in bed and watch our program. We were on uh, LEX for years. Our Sunday morning services were on, uh, you know, pre-recorded a service or two out and uh, they would lay and watch and I guess the commission of God came while they were watching our show every Saturday, Sunday morning at seven, right before the news came on at 7.30. So God was setting it up. We didn't know. He said, so what, how do you want to do this? I said, well, because you had that, I think it's more like 55 or 56 acres, but it was 19 here 13 behind us and 25 or 21 on out the other way toward the road. He said, how do you want to do this? I said, well, I'd like to buy all three. He said, okay. He said, how much you want? He wanted 152000 I said, we'll give you 100000 acres." He's like, okay. So he's like writing this on the paper. He said, so how do you want to do this? I said, well, I was just thinking, and I just number cut in my head. I can't remember. I think it's 360. I said 360 or 380. I said, it's on that paper back there. I said, we'll give you $360,000 in a year. He's writing that down and I cash. And he's like, okay toward because we're going to buy the first 19 and then we'll give you 1.9, but you're going to carry we want you to carry that for us. We'll give you 360 down and you we'll pay you so much a month and every couple months you can raise it. At the end of three years, we have to cash the 1.9 out and start on the, the next phase and then we'll cash that out in three years and do the final. He's like, he's writing all that down and he said, Well. I guess I can do the 100, He said, so how do you want to pay for it? I said, well, we'll give you $360,000 down a year. Okay. And then that gives us time to get all of our stuff together and we can start. Okay. And so much. It's like 10,000 a month, and it went to 12, and on and on. and so he said, okay, so as we're doing that uh, on, the, on the 360, so then... He said, well, what about the deposit? Well, just before I left to look at land, we had about $28,000 in the bank. He says, I know you, honey. If you find some land, and now it's going back to second me. You're going back to second me. Honey, we only got like $28,000 in the bank. We got to finish this project cash. It's real close. Plus, we got to keep stuff going. I said, okay, honey. I get there. He said, well, how much you want to put down? You know, you're talking over $5 million worth of land you're holding up at the time. I said, well, how about $10,000? He's laughed at me. And I said, "Well, you probably wouldn't go for 15. I said, "I'll tell you what, honest. Right now, all I can do is twenty-five thousand dollars. Will you accept that?" He said, "Why am I accepting it? twenty-five thousand? That's not even a half a percent of what you know this whole product. But I get okay. He just wrote it, so so I'm going home. I'm excited. I'm telling. Come back to all I tell. desk. she said, "Okay, what was the deposit?" I so, said, <laughs> "So basically, we have three thousand dollars left in the bank." But other than that, it's all good. Twenty-five thousand dollars. I'll walk back over here when I finish this. So, nah, nah, she's amazing. I mean, she's, she's got crazy faith too. She's just sweeter about it than I am. What happened there? Well, long story short, we got the money, got the land, da, da, da. And what was it? Revealed word of God. Revelation. You can't do that without God's favor going in front of you and you obeying what he reveals to you. That's your truth in history. Then as we're preparing, many remember it right before you know as I announced it to the congregation, this is what God said to me, and I, I'd never said it or heard it. It just came out of my spirit, and I was like, okay. I started it, and I just said it on Sunday morning. I said, up to this point, the first three years or three and a half years, you know, God said, told me that this point of this first phase of ministry is based on mine and Steph's faith. But what we're getting ready to go into, from that spot, touch the world. It's going to require everyone's faith. Am I boring you? No. I'm I'm, 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 setting you, I'm trying to pick up where I left off last week. <clears throat> and in that, it said, from this spot, you'll touch the world. Okay, so now we go through that phase, and we're over here filming and all that. It said, from this spot, I'll touch the world. And then I began to pray, and God said, you know the real mission behind your next phase. in my heart, And I'm like, you know, God's given me better language for it over the years of what he had said in my heart about this. And I said, well, you know, you told us to come here, be a church of the Gentiles, a place people called home, and release your anointing and spirit and Holy Ghost in the region. Yep, that's phase one. You'll always do that, but that's beginning of phase one. He said, but the next phase is I want you to establish a generation of faith. That's your legacy, a generation of faith that is debt-free and living a debt-free lifestyle to do great exploits for me to a people that are not yet born. And so that's been the premise of what we've been believing for, that it would be generational. And God revealed to me and broke my heart that we're the first generation. Get over yourself. You're not going to buy a Rupp Arena like you think you are. I mean, I was—I figured we are going to grow so much, we'll just buy a rough Arena. We'll have service there. And, and, and God said, it's not going to be like you think it's going to be, but it's going to be better than you ever imagined. In other words, first generation digs it out, right? Plugs it out, sets it up. Second generation gets to step in on that, and then the third. Remember I shared with you last week that God generally moves in threes concerning generations, right? Father Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you can just go through the Bible. And so, so what happens is, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you know, all that. So what? Flesh, blood, and bones, spirit, soul, and body. Anyway. so So as God generally moves in threes like that, we begin to realize that what he's telling me is multi generational. Somebody say multi generational. And so I had let that thing set for all these years, all these years. And about six months before two streams, God began to just deal with me. I would I, months before I said anything to step, I was like, I want to know this is God. He kept dealing with me. It's time. It's time. I'm like time for what? It's time to reveal for the people to be debt free. It's time to reveal the people. The church be debt free. The people be debt free. It's it's the time. It's coming, it's coming. I, I said, oh, Lord, I get coach chills thinking about it. And I'm wrestling with it all the way up. And Dr. Barker calls, you know, a couple months before the event, we're talking. And I said, man, God told, I said, what did God tell you about uh, two streams? And I already had what we were believing for. He said, expansion, expansion, open the door for more. God says, it's mistakes. the stakes. Bethel is going to expand beyond this border. It's going to expand beyond what you could ever imagine. Every area, especially finances and generations and all this. And I'm like, oh, my God. So then I just told him the whole story. And he said, well, I said, I don't know if it's something I should mention to streams. I'm going to pray about it. He said, you and I will pray about it. And we both felt, no, it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. Just let God be God. And God's convicted me. And then I'd already made up my mind, I talked to him, Pastor Jeff, and some other leaders, not only in this house, but other houses, you know, that's our mentors. And I talked to them and felt like it's time. He said, oh, God, preacher, what time is it time for? Well, it's time for you and I. As we look here now, Miss Quinn is four generations. Miss Essie, her beautiful mom, who's at home right now being cared for, great member of this church, woman of God. We, a lot of times we get up here on her birthday and let her sing, oh, my God, we had a ball, didn't we? And then Miss Quinn and then her sons and daughters and then their children. Four generations right there. Uh Linda Lemons, four generations, basically when Christian move home in Jesus' name, right? We got, got Zach here. We're three down. We're you, Michael Kim, Zach, and then Zach says she can't move back. But yeah, she can, Zach. And when she moves back, well, little Quinn and the little one in the cooker, right? She got she's got a little upset I said that no, she is. not too bad. Not too bad. She's like my daughter, I can say whatever anyway. So so anyway, we're we're seeing that in the house. And God said, it's time, it's time to release the revelation I gave you to move into the third phase, preparing us to move into the third phase of a multi-generational blessing. Now, I didn't know that's what it was going to be, and even when God gave me this word for this year, I didn't know, because he gives me that, and then he starts like an onion un- unraveling it and peeling it. And that's why I said it's gonna be a year of invitation expansion to experience supernatural lifestyle establishes what? A legendary legacy for us and And God said, why do you think I gave you that word? I said, what do you mean? He said, legendary legacy. You're first generation and all those that are with you first generation and the others, you're gonna establish a legendary, a legacy that will never be forgotten. You're gonna raise up a generation of faith. You think you, you see these little kids running around up here and doing this stuff? You say, man, that preacher just lets those kids, you better watch out. That's your future prophets and apostles and prophetesses and all that. I just look at that and go, that's the blessing of God. That's the word God gave me. When I when I see your son, that's just the word God gave me. I just see generations. Can anybody say amen right now? And so God said it's time. And I'm like, well, it's time you need to pay the, the, the debt off to church. It's not much, it's $3.5 million, you know. Started out 7.8, so we're doing pretty good. But, uh, and I said, Lord, I don't go into money thing. I, those things, I hate those things. Go into money things, people feel pressure, and then they get weird. All y'all talk about is money, and they're immature, and they leave, and then their life's miserable and messed up, usually, because they leave. Then they, a lot of them repent and come back. Some of you have done that multiple times, and I'm glad you're here. Amen. I've repented and come back, too. I just didn't tell people. You just said no. You know, only Stephanie Do? Only Stephanie and God. There was times I didn't even want to attend this church. I'll tell you that right now. Thank God that was over 10 years ago. Amen. Miss Gwen kept me saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> But as we look at how God moves in generations of three, and this is the third phase, you know, and it gets back to family. And I've been sharing with you uh, about family, and and I think about also in 2 Timothy with with Paul speaking to Timothy, his spiritual son, and he says in the message translation is really good, 2 Timothy 1 5. He said, That precious memory triggers another. In other words, remember the faith that's in you in the new King James your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is, hand it down, somebody say hand it down, from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice, and now to you, that's three generations. Even in the New Testament, they experienced a three-generational blessing. A legacy is not what we can't finish in a lifetime, and God has set you and I up for such a time as this. He set us up to build a legacy, not just for ourselves, but for future generations. And the word God gave me this year is that it's a year of expansion now, and it's a year of expansion now, but also from this spot, when you touch the world, you're not gonna just do it through our generation. It's multi-generational. I mean, you look at Martha and those guys, the Terry's, and you look at Katie and them and Mark, and then you look at their kids. That's three generations. You just see how God is moving, how God is operating, and what he's saying, and what he's doing. And and the Lord has been stirring in me about the significance of that. One of the great revelations that God really put in my heart is about fatherhood. And fathers, as you know, my father died when I was three months old. And yeah, okay, I'll go there, Lord. You remember the story I told you about how my father was... I, I think he was turned off from church, you know, because he didn't, never went and he was 51 when he died and his family was very religious in a certain old time denomination and it turned him off. His wife, he had four, five kids with his first wife. She passed away when she was 31. He was older than my mother. She used to kind of help take care of the kids then she married him. They got married, she had, they had four more. I was the fourth and, and when I was being born, in Williamson, West Virginia, just across the border from where we lived in Kentucky at the time, and my father was with my older brother-in-law like an uncle in Huntington, Cabo Huntington, and he had something going on with his lungs, and they'd cut him open to to check. Well, when Don called Mom and said, okay, how?" they said I was born, so he's checking on Mom. She said, yeah, yeah, he's born. Thank God he's born. How's Mary? And he said, well, not good, Ruby. They've given him three months to live. He has lung cancer. And as devastating as that was, then when we come home, they brought us me home. Um, my dad was being witnessed to for my older sister May, Don's wife, and like a second mom to me. And she uh, was spirit filled, Pentecostal, right there on the river, Tug River, little Pentecostal church. She got the spirits filled, and she kept witnessing the dad. And finally, after a couple weeks, he says, "You know." First, he didn't want to get saved like most people. He felt guilty. If I didn't serve God for 51 years, why am I going? That's a hypocrite. I don't want to be like a hypocrite like people I know. And had to get him through that. And once in a couple weeks, he got through. He said, okay, I'm ready. So he gave his life to the Lord, was born again. They baptized him in a pool. He shouldn't have been baptized. He still had the stitches and all that, or whatever they did back then. His big surgery. Still healing from that just weeks after and I and then I go back to reflecting on grandma man Indycock that died when she's like 96, turning 97, and uh, and I, I reflect on her heart and vision of over there at Calf Creek, at Turkey Creek, where she was. She only had an eighth grade education, but also was kind of like an educator. But there was a one-room schoolhouse wherever the teacher would ride in and teach all the kids from the hollers. That, like three different haulers come to that, that one spot. So they had to all walk some of them for miles to get that little one-room schoolhouse for school Monday through Friday. And then, and then on a the weekend, it'd be a church. It wasn't a church, but on Sunday, Grandma, meant there was no church in that area that anybody could even walk to. So what she did, she started having Sunday school. She got that little church, that little school building, it's still there one of my uncles has it now, a little school building over there and she started holding Sunday school, Miss Gwen, And there was, I don't know, sometimes she said there'd be 50, 60, 70 little kids there, you know, from all the different families. And she said, I'd just teach them and go home and cry and teach them and go home and cry. Like, Lord, they need a pastor. They need a pastor. She said, there was times I get real sweet evangelists that would take an extra day and stay over and preach to us and preach to the kids, but I always, and she said, in my prayer time, and this was before I was called to preach, she said, in my prayer time, no, she didn't tell me this after I was called to preach. I knew about her doing the Sunday school. Well, she said she'd pray, Lord, give me a pastor. I've got all these kids. I've got, you know, grandkids. Give me a pastor in my family, and she said, I was almost upset with God about it, and then Finally, things happening. you know, I, 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 I never had one. I, my children and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren, I've never had one. And then when she found out I was called to preach and I'd already received a call, she said, let me tell you, so she let me finish the story. And that's when she finished the story about the pastor part, she'd never said it. Now, I think about my grandma men's prayer, so I led my brother back to the Lord. Now, he's a pastor, and we planted him and in Inez. So now she has two pastors. That's all she has, maybe to this day, in all of her, I mean, she was four generations deep before she passed away. And just a woman of God. And uh, as I think about that word, God, she prayed and stood on a promise from God. And she was hoping she'd see it in her lifetime. Then I go back to my father. Can you imagine laying there knowing that you still had, I think at that time, two high school kids from that mom was raising that she was mom to him as well. And four new little kids with no welfare system. There was no welfare system then, people. No food stamps, no nothing. I wish there was, but there wasn't. A little bit of social security from the railroad, does it. And I imagine my dad lying there, and mom said she'd come in, and he'd just be, Terry be in bed with him, and he'd be holding me and just crying and singing over us and praying over us. And and, uh, I got to thinking, Becca, wow, what fervent prayers those are. And it's interesting, but my brother and I are the only two out of my, you know, I'm a great uncle, you know, I had nephews way older than me, they call me their little uncle. I'm like nine years old and they're 40, you know, or 30, you know, it's my little uncle, you know. And, and, and so, you know, out of all those kids, grandkids and great-grandkids, no preachers. But my brother and I. And I think I think of those times, and what am I, you know, being a father, you think, man, you're laying there, you're wondering how the world's really gonna take care of all these kids. Because he worked, like, on the railroad full-time, and then he owned a little taxi on the weekends, and then he was what they call the square. He was a, a place where you got elected like a magistrate, and that's where you paid your tickets and all that stuff. Mom had to do that. He couldn't read, but he was an entrepreneur, but he wasn't wealthy. He's was poor, obviously. He's doing all these jobs. Mom's working, taking care of us. And I can imagine his prayers, praying for us. I don't know that he prayed we'd be preachers, but I'm sure he prayed we'd live for God and serve God and be successful. And I think of that marked moment with my dad, and I think of the marked moment with my grandmother, meant, and then I think of the times I went through turbulence when my stepfather was killed in a coal mining explosion, We had had my baby sister Marcia at the time. She was four. He was ready to retire. He'd become a federal mine inspector. He was killed in the Scotia Mine Disaster. Some of you might remember that. No, one of the first big disasters. In the mines for eight months where they could get him out when I was in eighth grade. Uh, And I just think about how strong my mom has always been and a woman of faith and power. And I think about all that transition. And then as I was playing sports, I broke my leg on a motorcycle and I just got to where I was partying because I couldn't play sports. I was frustrated. We'd move back home uh, from another place and, you know, just become crazy. Then finally I got healthy enough to at least play baseball my last two years of high school. I used to play basketball and baseball. But uh, out of all that, And you've heard me tell the stories, part out of two colleges, total three cars. I mean, that's real stuff. I could have been dead 45,000 times, at least 40 or 50. I wake up in the middle of the road looking at a rock cliff and I, you know, crazy stuff. God just protected me and thank God I didn't hurt anyone else. Just the angels of the Lord. But see, there was a word on my life. I preached a message when I was 27 years old to, a youth, to our youth group, and I, I preached this message. No, I was, at that time, I was about 29 is at World Heart. And I preached the youth group, 17 friends that died since I was 17. And I went through the story of each one of them, how they died tragically, and, you know, wrecks and overdoses and disasters. And I think, and the reason I preached that because I started reflecting on my life going, why? Sometimes you almost feel guilty. Why am I alive and Buster's not alive and Jeff's not alive and Donnie's not alive and why, why am I alive? Why, why? And then you grow in God and you realize it's because of revelation someone got and they stood on it. There's no way that Satan was going to cross cross the bloodline of Grandma meant There was no way that Satan was going to be able to cross the bloodline of of my father who just gave his life. You know, you want somebody to pray for you, get a new Christian. I don't care if they're six or 60. They're like, if God can save me, he can do anything. You need healed, sure. You need that, yeah. Amen, it's true, isn't it? Get your children to pray for you because there's no, no filter at that point. And as that happened, man, I'm like, it's starting to hit me. It's starting to mature me. It's starting to grow me and it's prepared Steph and I for this time. And as I look at where we are as a church and as a father now, and I think about the words, then Steph had prophetic words over her life too, her mom, intercessor, prayer warrior, grandfather, oh my God, powerhouse and grandmother. And I think about the words and the prayers they prayed over us as well, and I just think, Mark, how your legacy and your mom, you know, Katie, your mom, them being missionaries and Mark, your dad, multiple generational pastors and how God brought us all together, didn't quite know what we were doing. We just kind of figured it out as we go. Still don't know most of the time. Amen. But God, thank God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. And how God has brought this group of people together that have become family. And Everything, and I got a whole two sermons on family. I'm just not going to do it today. But I think last week you got the heart of the importance of family. And your family is not always your natural family that you rely on, like DJ said. You love your natural family. You're always there for them. But I think the most important family is your spiritual family. I know it is. Because we're only going to go as far as the five or six people that are most involved in our life are. If they're stuck, you're going to be stuck, right? Right? And when you're with five or six people you meet and you build relationships with and many more than that later on and they're growing spiritually, you're gonna grow spiritually. It's contagious. And I think about every time I see, you know, Jack or Ella up here dancing before the Lord or, you know, or all of your alls kids, I start naming all of them if I do, I get in trouble, I'll miss somebody. <laughs> many of them are sitting over here in the youth group right now and all that. Um, man, I just, sometimes I just stop and look. And I don't say no, I'm just sitting there like either crying or with a smile on my face, watching those next generations praise God and thinking because of pain, the suffering, also blessing and stuff that we've all been through together has brought us to this point. And I think about the power of God's word from this spot, we will touch the world. Didn't say you will, said we will. And the power that he's put in us and burned in our hearts is burned in our DNA. We're unorthodox. We're different. We're just not like other people in churches. And no church should be the same. Every church should be a microcosm of a family unit. Amen. You know, when you go to eat at somebody else's house, you had to be on your P's and Q's, but your house, you know, it's different. It's like or how you go to bed, how you stay, whatever you do, how you play, where you play, what you can and can't do. Every church has its can and can'ts and all that, and how you do this, how you do that. Whether they realize it or not, there's some form of a family. All churches are dysfunctional, just like all families are dysfunctional. Hopefully we're dysfunctional in the areas that don't mean as much, you know. Yeah. Amen. And so out of that, I see this as family, and a lot of you, most of you do too, and it's the key is spiritual sons and daughters, right? Who are spiritual sons and daughters? Spiritual sons and daughters are those that are connected to the heart of spiritual parents. First of all, they're connected to the heart of the Father, most importantly. You become spiritual sons and daughters. But then when we're in the microcosm of a family, a spiritual family, it's when we're attached to a spiritual mother and father, and and and, and we're connected spiritually. Now, what's that mean? Just like you and I are called to fulfill the legendary legacy of God and his son Jesus Christ. We're called to be a spiritual family, you know. First Peter talks about it. To be stones and all that. You just go through all these scriptures. But we're called to be His household of faith. The Bible says in First Peter two, I think it's two nine, and a kingdom of priests. We're called to be that. We're called to establish God's will on the earth. That's why it's a, the great co mission. Commission co means partnering. God, God. Is, think about family. Think about this. And I got scripture, but I'm not going to share it. We don't have time. God could have, with just one word, created 100 billion people. But he didn't. He took his word, and he created one man. And out of one man, he took a rib and created one woman. And he started the world with one birthing, one child at a time. God doesn't do it for us. He gives us the pattern. And we as a church, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're supposed to be operating a pattern as a household of faith for God. And it should reflect how we handle our families, even single people, how you set your families up, right? And we're a microcosm. God, it just hit me Mark. God could have done that. He could have said five billion people, and we'll let them live a thousand years and see how they do, and then decide if I want to keep them or not. (laughs) Amen? But he didn't, one at a time. One at a time, sometimes two, sometimes five, but you know what I'm saying? God operates in seasons. Chronological is seconds, turning a minute, minutes, turns into hours and days, whatever. Carous time, or crease time, is seasonal. It's a window in the chronological, right? It's a season. It could be an hour, days, weeks, months, years in a, in, a, in a chronological order of time. God moves in seasons. And one of the seasons he has chosen is generations. Now, the way the Bible talks about generations is every 40 years is a new generation, right? And so God operates in seasons of generations, generational times and seasons. And that's why it's so important for you. I'm taking the time slow down. I want you to get how important you are to God. You're not just important to God because he loves you and he does. You're not just important to God because you're born again or you're ready to be. He does, he wants you to be. You're not important to God just because you give offerings. not important to God just because you witness and testify. You're important to God for all that and more. You're important to God, first of all, you're his children. And the Bible says Jesus is our elder brother. And God engrafted all Christians, believers that are blood-bought in to the family of God. We're sons and daughters of God. Now, as we operate sons and daughters of God, that means you operate from the unseen realm. <laughs> right? You couldn't see your salvation. You got your salvation, what? By faith through grace. By grace through faith. I mean, grace is Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, you had the faith of God to accept it. Faith is substance hope for the evidence of things, what? Not seen. We lean not on our own understanding, eyes of understanding, but the understanding of our heart. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. Life and death is in the tongue. What's it say? Everything refers back to the unseen. So the way we see God's heart and mind because he is spirit, he is other, is through revelation. When he finds different ways to reveal his word. We can go through and talk about how did you know to do that? Well, God told me this. Or, well, this person said something, and I knew that was God. Or I read this scripture. Think about yourself. All the things in your journey with God, how many times there's times in your life you know that you know that was God, nobody could convince you otherwise. He found a way to reveal it uniquely to you. So you're sitting today on a promise from God. You're sitting today as a journey of a first generation legacy, and you 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 could choose to join that if you're not part of it already of this family. We are sitting today on a precipice of time that God just as, how how could this come? How, how could some bank be crazy enough to you know we raised a million dollars or whatever? And they're going to loan us $7.8 million? We don't have those assets. Now, they tied up everything me and stuff. I have for 12 lifetimes, but it ain't much. (laughs) Yeah, sure. That way, if it don't make it, it's us. It's nobody else. It's not ours. It's a non-for-profit. We can't keep it. We got to, somebody's going to, when we are going to heaven, somebody else is going to stand up here and be the, but even before that, potentially somebody else is going to be senior pastor. There'll never be no other founding pastors but Steph and I, right? But but we'll have generations. And God said, invite them in to the journey. Some of you came the first week, some of you came the first few months, some of you came the first year or two, some of you came the first year within 5, 10, 15, some are brand new to here. But remember, just like you're holding a little baby there, Zach, he's just as much family as the other two boys, right? Because he's in your arms right now. And I'm telling you, if it's your first day, you can choose to be part. It's a family of choice. You can choose to be part of this spiritual family. It's up to you. And so as God began to deal with me about this, I took it to our pastoral care team. We got about 70 in there, and I that's who visits and funerals and all that. We do some stuff, but they're doing a lot of that, praying for you, doing stuff. And laid my heart out, and they said, let's do it. I was like, now, nah, you said let's do it. It better be, let's do it, right? Yeah. Not, go get him, Pastor. You and Pastor Staff are so anointed. <laughs> and I got in part from a group out of that group about I just don't feel good about, oh, we got this campaign. Well, number one, God doesn't do campaigns. Politicians do. God doesn't. It's not a campaign, right? But there's got to be an avenue that people can join in the legacy and make it come to pass because it still takes us, the family, to make it come to pass, and it depends on how quick it goes, depending on how many get involved in the legacy. So our heart is this, and I'll Uh, I don't know if I want a slide yet or not. Let me see. so much for all the scripture I was going to give you today. Gertrude said, amen, we'll finally get to eat on time. So what we're going to do is we're going to go after the 3.5 million. We don't put a time limit on it. It's up to God. You know we're not really receiving income off the front yet. We they say we there's the middle is supposed to be least we might start receiving a little bit. It's going to be four or five years from now, and then it'll really start coming in for the church. So it's out there. So we're still doing what we've always done, believing, and operating in faith. Um, and God said it's time, and so it's time to 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 make a legendary legacy together. It's time that. I can't think of any greater seed to sow, not just in what you're believing for now, a missionary or whatever, but when you're sowing for future generations, for a generation not yet born. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, so it's really about legacy giving. And I said, I want it to be in the flow, and God started giving this to us, revealing it, and mainly to me too. Is like, I, I just see us doing like a, a special Sunday every month. And it's just that Sunday, the giving, you know, we're focused on it. So basically what we're doing, we're gonna start the first Sunday. Actually, I guess, Prophet Trout to be here. No, March 3rd. So the first Sunday of every month, we're gonna have the opportunity for all of you to sow and to give toward this above your tithe and offering. And it's called Legendary Seed Sundays. Amen. And we're not gonna... We're not going to get up here and beat you. It's going to be a normal offering. You know, we'll probably talk about it. but it, And and the heart is this. We're believing God from March 4th, even this Sunday, but also March 4th to um, March 3rd is the first Sunday everyone to be involved. And we're believing that uh, we're going to make such a great impact on this that, you know, we're going to be moving from tombstones to hearts, right? And we're gonna be operating according to that. There was something I was gonna tell you. Oh, legendary seed. So legendary seed, once the property and the building's paid off, we're gonna keep legendary seed Sundays. Amen. Now we're still gonna do food ministry. We're still gonna take other offerings, right? But this, when you sow this offering on legendary Sunday above your tithe and offering, you know you're not just sowing for now, you're sowing for generations. Amen. You're sowing for generations. And so, what we're asking is, you pray about it. We'll talk more in the coming weeks about how you can do it. Uh, I think push pay is already ready to go. So they've got a little thing up here, special, uh, special seed, uh, regular tithe and offering for Sunday. Legendary seeds are, are by, Oh yeah, this is important. So what God said is, some, so what God said is, we want to make November the month, right? We want to make November that it becomes legendary legacy month. This is such a God thing. Because this the greatest power in this house seems to always be in November, doesn't it? Right around two streams and all that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to pray, and everything you sow above the regular tithe and offering on legendary Sunday, or you can sow any time as long as you put legendary Sunday. Our faith is that we get around 110000 dollars put back. We'll probably have draw interest or something on it for November. Right now, we probably need more than that because it's about $110,000 to operate everything, the church, the staff, everything a month. Probably need a little more than that. And we're gonna put that back and then every offering in the month of November, regular offering, is gonna be legendary seed offering. So we're gonna believe, we're believing we get that 110 plus back. We'll give a more accurate number, but at least that. And we're gonna believe, but keep giving. Whatever you give is still going toward that month. And then we're believing we don't have to worry about taking just tithe and everything. Everything we're designating for that Sunday, you know, to go toward legendary uh, uh, Sunday. Even your tithe, we're designating. We're not designating. We're, we're, we're just taking everything November. It's going toward legendary legacy month. And then at the end, we'll see where we are and say we may pay it all in the first year. Who knows? Amen. I'm not nervous. Yeah. Right. Benefits. Long as we're obeying God, if it's two years or three years, whatever it is. You say, well, what does that do? I don't know. What if you didn't owe anything? Come on. Come on. What if you didn't have any debts? Amen. And your full paycheck, all you got to do is give your tithe and an offering, and you don't, have any, you don't owe no man nothing. Well, that's the generation we're raising up. So I, I'm going to share this, baby. Maybe I shouldn't, but I am. So Pastor Steph and I have a beautiful home and all that good stuff. And as we're talking about this, we're going, we need to be positioned better to be involved and that's the way we want to be involved. And it got me thinking and her thinking about our boys and future grandkids. And we're doing good. And we're blessed for our kids and blessed where we're at. But we do owe some debt. And I'm like, oh, the years, it built up, we get rid of it. Then we do something else, it get built up, like many of you. And, and, and the Lord said, well, what do you want to do? And, and me and Steph have been talking about, well, maybe we sell some of these commercial properties. We built Airbnbs around the city and other things. Maybe we just sell them. And it's not real smart because those are income producing and helps the kingdom. And so and I'm just like, I kind of felt in my spirit, we need to sell Mama's Nest. You know what Mama's Nest is? That's your house. Mama's Nest, in there. they mean a lot more to mamas than they do us guys. I mean, I love it and all, you know. But we lived there 11 years. We got double equity of what we paid in it. And we just said, and I come home, I said, you still thinking about selling this, that? No. <laughs> what are you thinking, baby? We need to sell our house. Oh, and I mean, for her to say that, I mean, she picked that house up because of a backyard. That's why we then we renovated everything else. And so we're selling our house to position ourselves. And I'm not asking anybody to do this. Believe me, This I'm just giving you as your leaders, yeah. and it's not just for an offering. It's to live a supernatural debt-free lifestyle. I want us living a debt-free lifestyle so we can lead you into a debt-free lifestyle. You Ben? So we're only doing that to be an example, right? And I wasn't gonna share that publicly, but I felt led to think we shared it with the pastoral care leaders yet? No, we have Well, y'all heard it. Praise God. Amen, amen. So we we, we shared it with them. Huh? During the fast, yeah, during the fast, Steph said, man, don't let anybody ever tell you fast don't mess you up. We're fasting and God started dealing with us. How can we get debt free? How can we get debt free? And we're looking at all this stuff. And, Man, we're molding it over. We'll argue a little and talk about it and not, you know, like you do. Like, well, we, there's things she want me to get rid of and things she, and I'm like, I'm not selling, I don't really feel that. Type. Well, I don't really feel like I sell this. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> well, let's have dinner, you know. <laughs> Kiss and make up. That's always fun. Nah, we never fought about it. But, you know, we were, like, pretty intense about Like, wow. And then it hit my spirit. I think I might even told someone, I won't mention her name. I said, I feel like it's I think I told Mark we were talking, I, said, I really feel we need to sell our house, didn't I? I think that was the day she told me when I got home. And we were meeting uh, and having a talking during the fast and and, when, and then Steph said, maybe it's the next day or two, she told me, I feel this. And that's what I love about our relationship. She's so much more balanced than me, because I'm I'll just jump, you know. And she'll jump, but she don't count the cost a little more than me, which is Probably kept us saved and out of jail, right? And alive. And uh, so we're doing that, but we're not, and I'm not saying we're going to do that and put a million dollars at none of that. I'm just saying we're making it our lifestyle. How can I tell you that I'm encouraging you that I heard from God if I'm not going to attempt it? Just mean we won't be perfect. I'm not saying we won't ever have a short-term debt again in our life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God wants us to live a debt-free lifestyle. Debt-free lifestyle too could be at any moment you have the cash to pay anything you have off, but it's also good to get it all paid off. And then what? When God says stroke a big check, you can stroke a big check. When God says help this family pay their, your neighbor's rent, you can pay your neighbor's rent. Amen? Amen. So, it's all building towards special seed above regular tithing offering for the first Sunday month. And uh, then we're believing to bank a month of expenses. The way we're growing right now, it'd be more like 130 or 40. It needs to be back. Uh, all unrestricted funds received during the month of November go towards debt elimination. It's all unrestricted. Yeah. November becomes legendary legacy month. We will repeat this until the 3.5 is gone. And there's your scripture. First legendary seed is March 3rd. What do you do? Pray. Just pray. If, if you don't feel led to get involved, don't. No. Nobody's gonna twist your arm. Nobody's gonna say, give us your, you know, your blood, and we wanna see what you got. Give us your bank. No, it's look. God's got it. Huh? It's family. And it's just a family talk. Amen. No big campaign, just a family talk. Amen. Um, and, it, and it's interesting how God just kind of arrested me up here. Because I thought, how am I going to get back to last Sunday, man? And we were right at the end, and, and then God just said start talking about it again. And it just always stirs my faith. When I talk about those exploits, I left out so many things that God's done with this church and our lives over the years, and what a blessing it's been. But growth can be painful too, right? And I'm just believing, hey, you'll just honor God, and then... I think what we're going to do is put down a minimum of what we're believing for. Like we're believing. No, I know. If nothing else came in, I mean, we know we can stretch our faith to this point. But then I'm going to put another number for us, like, but here's where we want to be. Yeah, yeah. right? And then I'm just going to, I'm going to leave room for God to expand. And if it doesn't happen, we'll do what we committed to. But I'm believing for more. Press down, shaking, and running over. Anybody else believing for more? Yeah. Hallelujah. Anything else? Steph, Mark, feel good about it? Amen. How you all feel about it? (laughs) Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me, and and just remain standing. Thank you for that. Uh, It's not going to change what we do, how we do. We're going to do what we've always done. Just going to have that opportunity every month to release your faith toward expansion. Amen? And we're going to do that. I want to pray over you right now. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray right now for everyone listening to me and even in future days and weeks ahead, that, Father, they... You reveal your heart to them through us that, God, this is your plan. It'd be a lot easier just to keep doing what we're doing, but you're stretching us, you're growing us. And, Father, we just thank you that how amazing it's gonna be for so many people to not only help our church family be debt-free, building and all that, but, Lord, they're gonna move into a debt-free lifestyle. Father, it's gonna improve marriages, health, every area of our lives just because, you begin to move as we commit to you to be more concerned and focus on what we borrow, what we're doing, what we're paying off, but mainly tithing and sowing into your kingdom to get the multiplied effect. Lord, stir our faith, unite our hearts closer than ever. Keep showing us and revealing to us as we begin to hear great testimony of your mighty works and miracles you're doing in our lives because we committed to touch generations and establish a legendary legacy for those not yet born. Give God a shout in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout.